Medicine is a paid medical program which does not reflect the opinions of the management and staff of WBRN and the Big Rapids Radio Network. West Michigan Primary Care Partners and WBRN present Talk Medicine with Rob Bennett and Dr. Singh. Talk Medicine is brought to you by Metron of Big Rapids. Caring for people, one person at a time. Welcome to Talk Medicine with Dr. Roshme Juneja from Michigan Primary Care Partners in Big Rapids, michiganprimarycarepartners.com. I'm Rob Bennett, and this is News Radio WBRN, sponsored by Metron of Big Rapids, caring for people one person at a time. And the last time you were in, we were talking about a specific thing. Today, we're going to cover a lot of broad things and then focus on them one by one because we're going to talk about addiction and that covers a big big spectrum doesn't it it does so what are we uh what are we talking about when we talk about addiction exactly what is addiction addiction is uh an inability to control one's desires it can be for multiple things it can be for nicotine it can be for alcohol it can be food it can be certain life situations so addiction is of multiple kinds. Uh, most of the time, the person who's suffering from addiction knows that they are addicted, but they are unable to break those patterns, uh, secondary to the nature of the chemical that they are addicted to and the substance that they are so used to having in their system that they cannot live without it, or at least their perception is that they are unable to go on without it. So it is sort of a self-fulfilling uh, equation where they get some pleasure from whatever addiction they suffer from. It releases certain chemicals in their brain that makes them happy or sad or, or other feelings that they enjoy and they are unable to break that cycle of addiction. Is there, and now is it certain, especially with the chemicals and things like that, is mm-hmm. it things that make you want to keep doing it? Is that it? It's just the feeling that, that it provides? That is one of the things. So let's talk a little bit about substance abuse. What, what do we know about substance abuse? So substance abuse refers to the harmful or hazardous use of psychoactive substances, including alcohol and illicit drugs. What is the most common substance that is abused. It is actually nicotine. And nicotine is one of the most addictive substances known to human beings. That is why it is so difficult to quit smoking mm-hmm. uh, for patients or, you know, people in general. Now, when you, are, are there people that are more susceptible to being, becoming addicted to something? Yes, there are certain addictions, especially it has been well studied in alcohol that patients have certain genes that predispose them to alcoholism. And it's a very good advice to give to your patients or friends or family members. If your mother or father was an alcoholic, you probably have that gene. So it is it is a good idea to know that so that you don't follow that path of addiction Mm -hmm. and suffer from the consequences of that particular addiction. But there are genetic components. They are studying the size of the brain. Uh, the different genes and how different things affect our body is also dependent on how we metabolize certain chemicals that is also genetic. Mm-hmm. And certain people, I mean, I've, I've heard it said that certain people have just addictive personalities. Yes. And, and that is, is that a true thing? It is a true thing. 
and they have studied this in alcoholics and they have also studied this in babies who are born to mothers who were um, on cocaine. So they, they have some evidence that this is genetic. And they found that if a mother uses a cocaine and she some infants have problems with the narcotic withdrawal and some infants don't have problem with the narcotic withdrawal. So that is a particular syndrome where we are finding that genes do have a role to play. Mm-hmm. Now, because I, I know somebody, and I'm not going to say any names or anything, but I do know somebody who his his behavior would be like even when he was young, a young person and he started working out, he worked out constantly. He was mm-hmm. so into working out he had to he couldn't visit somebody without is there a gym near there i got to go to the gym i have to go work out i have to work out Mm -hmm. he had he had to pump iron you know he Mm -hmm. had to do that Mm -hmm. and then he had to uh when he was into working you know he had to work on the cars he had to work on the cars it was just uh, everything that he did it was his personality seemed to be that way and then he got into drugs and that has become something that has taken him over too, addic- addiction-wise. Yeah. There are certain pathways in our brain. So we have a pleasure pathway. We have certain chemicals that make us happier, like dopamine, uh, serotonin. So when uh, you exercise heavily, for example, that releases the endorphins in your brain and it kind of stimulates your happy center in the brain. And that's why it's as you described, that particular person exercises a lot because they are looking for that feeling where the endorphin is released and it makes them feel good or high. Mm -hmm. So definitely that is a sort of sign or indication of addiction. Mm. So it is different things. It could be food, you know, it could be medication, it could be exercise. So anything that is uh, working in the brain and it is releasing these happy chemicals sort of makes, reinforces that behavior. And when they start doing, uh, uh, somebody starts doing prescription drugs, I know a lot of people are afraid of prescription drugs, especially when you get on for pain pills and things like that. They're, they're afraid of them because they're afraid that they will become addicted to them. Is that, is that a, a real fear? It is, it is a fear. And I hope that patients have read the new guidelines that were released a couple of weeks ago about opioids and different pain medications, how highly addictive they are. And in the long run, they have no uh, no role in pain control. It is more or less an addiction. And there are, I'll talk a little bit about the genes. There's an opioid receptor gene called ASPO40, uh, which when patients have this, they have a lower a chance of relapsing for addiction or substance abuse. There's also another gene, OPRMI, which is a rare variant of the gene for the mu opioid, mu opioid receptors. It decreases the risk of addiction. So if patients don't have this, they are at a higher risk for becoming addicts. So based on that, uh, it is important to understand that sometimes you're just more likely to suffer from this than maybe your peer group. And not get talked into doing something that you would not want to do ordinarily. Because if you have that genetic predisposition and you need all those things in your system uh, to make you feel good, you will just keep reinforcing that behavior and continue to do that. Mm-hmm. It just seems, uh, you know, it, and it seems so easy for somebody that's outside looking in. And even with smoking or anything like that, you know, I mean, 
it's just like, why don't you just quit? <laughs> but it's, it's not, not that, that easy. No, is it, it is not that easy. And I, as I said earlier, nicotine is one of the most addictive substances known to human beings. So it is a highly addictive substance and it causes so much morbidity and mortality. Lung cancer is the number one cause of cancer-related deaths and more than 200,000 people die every year from it. So I think the best thing is to not get addicted to any of these substances. Mm -hmm. But if they are addicted, for example, for nicotine, there is excellent treatment available. You know, nicotine patch in combination with medication like Valbutrin or Zyban or Shantix works very well. Mm -hmm. So as long as you have come to the conclusion that you have an addiction and you want to get over that addiction, there is help available. And and that's an interesting question right there because nobody can quit for you, right? I mean, you, I, everybody in the world could want you to quit, but if you don't want to in your mind, are you? it's not going to do any good, is it? No, it's not. So the patient or the individual has to want to quit. Right. So that desire to quit has to be stronger than the pleasure they get by that particular chemical. Yeah. And the thing about cigarettes too, mm -hmm. I mean that the scary thing to me wouldn't 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 even be about the, you know that you could die without obviously that would be terrible. Mm -hmm. But the scary thing is the things that can happen even while you're still living. Yes. Because you can get that lung disease where yep. you have to carry the oxygen with you all the I don't know what it is. Yeah. They you, they can have COPD yes, or emphysema yeah. and then for a, you have what we call a pulmonary reserve. So God gave you a little bit extra of everything. Mm -hmm. That's how I see it. So even if you ruin maybe one third of your lung, you're still okay because you have that reserve. But for chronic smokers, the damage, once it extends to a certain point, uh, there's no no point of return from there. Then right. you will need the oxygen, you will need the inhalers, you have COPD, and you will have air hunger for the rest of your life. Yeah. So is it really worth it? At least in my opinion, it's not. No. So throw away the cigarettes. Throw if away the cigarettes right now. Yeah. And call your doctor. There is help. Uh, you can quit. There's medication to help. There is uh, counseling to help with that. And I do believe at this point of time, State of Michigan is even giving free patches, nicotine patches and different things to help people. Mm -hmm. So there is help there. You know, just make up your mind and go for it. And you try once, it doesn't work. Go to plan B, go to plan C, go to plan D. As long as you have made up your mind, you can quit. If the yeah. patch doesn't work for you, put it over your mouth the next time. <laughs> and then it's tough to smoke that way. It really yeah. is. Uh, it worked for me. No, I don't, I've never smoked. <laughs> yeah. You can't smoke and talk so much, can you? No. You need good lung capacity. That's right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to change your job if you smoke. <laughs> yeah, and that is something, knock on wood, I was glad that I never picked up. And, I, yeah. and I, it's just a... Just a fluke, I guess, that I that I didn't. But uh, I'm glad that that's something that I never did. And I'm hoping that everybody that is listening is, will, you know, give it a chance to stop smoking. It's uh, Actually, we should be coming up pretty close to the American Smokeout. Isn't that something? Or is that November, I think, that they have the Great American Smokeout where everybody tries to quit? 
I don't know the exact date. I think for it's that. in November. Yeah. I believe it's okay. in November, but it doesn't Live matter. It. You don't. Yeah, wait for yeah, that. Yeah. Get Come it on. going on you. Yeah. It's the summertime. You yes. want to feel good in the summer and yes. get everything going good for you that way. Yeah. Not carry your big bag of medication, a cylinder of oxygen no. behind you. Yeah, that yeah. really makes it tough when you're water yeah, skiing. Yeah. It does. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get an extra uh, ski or uh, what? I mean, it is so sad. I had a lady who was smoking and she had oxygen on and she burned her whole face. So that's the kind of addiction nicotine is. Uh, And I do feel the younger generation is perhaps not smoking as much as older folks did because we are more aware of it now. Uh, But in the past, you'll see uh, pictures of the physician and the patient. They're both smoking. (laughs) Yeah. It was very common. But It's amazing if you watch old movies and things like that. Everybody had a cigarette. I mean, that's what it was. I mean, in the... In the fifties, that's mm-hmm. what you meant to do, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that was it was a new thing, and everybody was doing it. But it is uh, terrible now that we've learned that, and you mm-hmm. should know you should know that. Okay, and then we get to uh, other things now, such as as pills. Mm-hmm. When you when you're doing pills uh, that are prescription pills, some of the excuses that I've heard people say is that it's a prescription pill; it can't be bad for me. It's bad for you. Trust me, it is very, very bad for you. (laughs) And she knows what she's talking about. She's a doctor. Yep. And I would like to uh, talk a little bit about this study. It is called the Millennium Cohort Study. It was started in 2001. It will go on till 2022. It is one of the largest prospective studies that is being done. And the numbers are quite shocking. Um, USA is the largest consumer of narcotic medication on this earth. Mm. 90 to 95% of the narcotics produced on this planet are consumed in USA. Uh, For example, there were about 900,000 prescriptions written in 2001 itself for pain medication. There were 3.8 million prescriptions written in 2009. So that means from the year 2001 to 2009, we have a four times jump in the amount of prescriptions that are written. So... The percentage of drug abuse is about five to ten percent in the general population. Wow. So it so pain medication should be used for very short term, used for acute pain, uh, and be done with it. But it seems that patients are just taking it for years and years, and then they cannot comprehend life without this medication. This is a question. Yeah, you and it might be off subject, but I don't think it is. It, it's. And you would know the answer to it more than I would because you're a doctor. What with would commercials, the TV commercials, when drugs were le- allowed to advertise on TV, it seems like every other commercial is about some kind of a drug that you should ask your doctor if you if you have this pain in your neck, you know, and it's not a husband or wife. <laughs> go get. <laughs> Thank a, you. Go get a pill. <laughs> Go get a pill for this. You can, you, you can, you, I mean, but there's all kinds of things. They always ask your doctor, ask your doctor for this. I mean, so do you have a lot of patients that come to you already in their mind that they want a certain drug? Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw that this one would help me because it was mm-hmm. on TV. Mm-hmm. No, that is very true. 
I believe there's a big jump in pharmaceutical marketing to the public from 2000 to maybe 2016. And when patients watch something, they, they want it. And we are a get it now generation. You know, we cannot wait a couple of days for a sprain to get better. I mean, uh, it's, it's just we want instant fix for every problem in life and Part of the problem of narcotic abuse is because of that, I feel. I think around early 2000s, the government made pain a fifth vital sign. So you were supposed to ask every patient how much pain do you have, where do you have, and this and that, and treat it. To not treat pain was a problem, but now we are over-treating pain. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is a big problem to our society. We don't even understand it fully, but we need to stop it and we need to pay close attention to what is going on with the prescription pain medications all right and we'll pay close attention to segment two when we come back with talk medicine with dr rashmi juneja from michigan primary care partners in big rapids michiganprimarycarepartners.com i'm rob bennett and this is news radio wbrn sponsored by metron of big rapids caring for people one person at a time You're listening to Talk Medicine with Rob Bennett and Dr. Singh on WBRN, brought to you by Metron of Big Rapids, caring for people one person at a time. 